Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to a Thunder and Lightning Extra here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad, and joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline is my good friend and the co-host of the Sports Talk Mississippi that you're hearing every day, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, on any Super Talk channel. My friend Richard Cross. Richard, nobody's covering this Ole Miss baseball team just like you because you had the, the, the catbird seat there. You were there in the uh, you know calling those games last weekend against against Arkansas. You got to see a little bit of that buzzsaw that is the Arkansas Razorbacks. But with the Rebels, what did you think of the way they played overall, and and how do they look? You know, trying to fill the hole that Tim Elko's injury has put into that lineup. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm good. Uh Yes. So, game one of the doubleheader on Saturday, I thought they thought they played okay in that game. Uh, did not swing it very well late in the game, and really didn't have an answer after Gunnar Hoagland. Hoagland was it was good, but not great. I mean, he went uh, what five innings, no hit, but he walked three or four, which is a little uncharacteristic for him, and that caused him not to be able to get deeper into that ball game and probably was the difference in the game because out of the bullpen that day, Ole Miss was not very good. Game two, uh, Rebels played well. They swung it up and down the lineup. Yeah, Arkansas never really goes away. I mean, you saw that a couple of weeks ago when, when they were in Starkville. They just they just keep coming and coming and coming. And it's not that they've got a bunch of guys that are hitting 370 or 380. It's everybody hits 300, and everybody's got seven home runs. And, you know, they, they, they're just no breaks in that order. I thought Ole Miss played really well in game two of the doubleheader. Uh, Sunday was a, I don't even know the, the way to describe that game. So bad out of the gate. Derek Diamond couldn't find the strike zone. And and really, even going into that Sunday game, it felt like the only chance that Ole Miss had was to get a performance where Diamond gave you, you know, five, six, maybe seven innings, which is asking a lot, but you knew kind of the shape of the bullpen going into the last game and that is, it wasn't in good shape. Um, so, to be down 11 to nothing in the blink of an eye and then come all the way back kind of goes to the other part of your question about, you know, filling in for Tim Elko. I mean, Ole Miss hit the crap out of it last weekend. They had over 40 hits. They scored, I'm trying to do the math on the fly, what, three in the first game and then 13 in the second game, and then they put another 14 on the board. I mean, you, you score that many runs and have that many hits, you, you certainly expect to win a series and you probably expect to sweep. Uh, I think Arkansas is really good. I, I, you know, Are they the best team in the country? I guess that's still up for debate a little bit, but they certainly have the best resume of anybody in the country so far. You talked on uh, Wednesday's show about, about the Ole Miss lineup and how you think it'll be Kale Baker at first in this Friday night game. With the with the lefty Christian McLeod on on the uh, mound, how, how do you see the lineup looking over the weekend at first base, and, and how the Rebels are going to have to move things around there? I mean, I think some of it will depend on how Kale Baker looks on Friday night. I mean, Mike Bianco has always kind of been big on the lefty righty matchup, especially you know if he doesn't have a guy that's just established. I mean, you know, he's not subbing Zach Cozart at shortstop because there's a a right-handed pitcher on the mound. But if there's an iffy spot where he's got a couple of guys that are kind of battling it out, then a lot of times he'll go right-left in that situation. Uh, I think that's an easy way for him to try a couple of different guys. Um, but Trey LaFleur has just not been good. And so, you know, uh, against the lefty, I think it's Kale Baker. I, I honestly think that for the majority of the weekend it will be Kale Baker at first base. 
Um, and, and look, the, the idea that Cale Baker is going to replicate what Tim Elko was doing in SEC play or, or overall, I mean, you're living in fantasy land. It, it's just not going to happen. He's not as good a hitter. He's not as complete a hitter. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the ability to hit it all field, you know, to go, go the opposite way. But you don't have to have that from Cale Baker. You, you need, you know, a hit in one game, preferably with on base. You know, if there's an 0 for 2 game, it needs to be accompanied by a couple of walks. And then in one of the three games, you probably need him to have two or three hits. And, you know, you need him to drive some runs in. Um, but it doesn't have to be a weekend where he goes, you know, 9 for 16 at the plate with three home runs and, and nine run, runs batted in. I mean, that, that That's Tim Elko-type production. And I mean, unless something just goes crazy, and I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I was wrong if Cale Baker does that, but I don't see that being the case. Um, you know, my only other question is whether or not they might do something where they play uh, play Justin Bench at first a little bit. They, they experimented with McCants at third on Tuesday um, against Austin P. And uh, I mean, he had one ball hit to him. He didn't look super comfortable catching it, and he had a throwing error on the play. So I don't think that's like an immediate answer. Yeah, I think primarily it's going to be Baker. I mean, Lafleur maybe gets one spot at first, but but I think that's the route they'll go. Who's the best hitter in this lineup with Baker with uh, Elko out? Right now, it's probably Hayden Dunhurst, who is hitting in the cleanup spot. Uh, he's got enough power and kind of does multiple things. Uh, you know, average wise, Kevin Graham leads the way and has got the most RBI. I think he's got six home runs and 30 RBIs. It's, and, and, I mean, you look at the SEC stats, Ole Miss is leading the SEC in hitting, and they're leading it by a lot. Uh, there, there really aren't, like, massive holes in there, but it feels like we're talking about a massive hole because Tim Elko's not there. Um, you know, Chatagnier is fun to watch. He kind of plays the game with a lot of energy. He's got some pop in the bat. Uh, Jacob Gonzalez is a, a true freshman, has been really steady, and he's hitting like 330 in SEC play. Got some pop in the bat there. Um, Leatherwood had not been good, but came on and, and had a nice weekend last weekend against Arkansas. You know, TJ McCants is a, a true freshman who is hitting in the mid-300s as well. Uh, there aren't a lot of easy outs in this lineup, but it's also not a lineup where everybody that comes to the plate makes you think they're going to drive it out of the ballpark. Hoagland and Nikhazy, McLeod and Bedner, and then you know down the road, not down the road, but you know you have Rocker and Lighter. I mean, that's the three best one-twos in the SEC, and they're all going to play each other this year. This is the first matchup between the, those groups. I think I'll, you know, as the state guy, I'll concede Hoagland over McLeod. I think Hoagland's a better pitcher than McLeod. It's not a huge gap, but it's there. I like Bedner better than Nikhazy, but talking to you and Borky and other folks, you guys are pretty high on Doug Nikhazy. Why do you like him better than Bednar in this matchup? Well, I don't know that the answer is I like him more, but I like. All right, so in terms of projectability. Bednar is a likely first-round guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think Nikhazy is. I think he's probably a top-five round, certainly a top-ten-round guy. He's not a first-round talent. And if you look at him, you're like, yeah, how does he get stuff out? Well, he, he throws four pitches. And when he's on, the fastball plays pretty well because it's 89-91, to 91, which is good enough when you've got 
a curveball in the mid seventies, and you mix in a slider, and you got a plus changeup. And so when he's got three of those four pitches working, he really falls into that pitcher as opposed to thrower category. The guys that they can just rear back and throw it by you, and you know, from a craftiness standpoint, it's not there. And the Casey kind of pitches his way through it, and he's a he's a big time competitor on the mound, which just sounds like the coach speakiest thing I could say. <laughs> but there's some guys you look at. I mean, let, let's go back to a Mississippi State guy from a few years ago, Luis Poyarena. Oh. He didn't have stuff. He couldn't break an egg with his fastball. He had a pretty decent breaking ball, but man, he got on that mound and just competed his butt off until he couldn't go anymore. And and Nikhazy kind of falls into that category. He's just going to give you everything he's got. He's figured out how to pitch through lineups multiple times in the SEC. Uh, you know, is he as talented as Will Bednar in terms of stuff? Probably not. I mean, if we're just being honest. Um, but in terms of, I need a guy to go win me a game that matters. I think he's one of those that that you feel pretty comfortable handing the baseball to. Should we just strap in for four and a half hours on Sunday? Is that what you think is going to happen there? You know, Ole Miss makes a change there with McDaniel, um, and he was pretty good. He, he, he does, his work rate is not fast. Uh, he is a little deliberate on the mound, which is not my favorite style to watch. Um, I mean, playing a four-and-a-half-hour game two weeks in a row seems unlikely, but we'll see. I mean, I, I kind of think it depends on how the bullpens are used over the first couple of days. Um, you know, if, if Hoagland is on, He's a guy that can go six and two thirds. You know, if he's not walking batters, because he, you know, even with a high strikeout rate, he can get you, you know, 110 pitches if the game is very much in, in reach. And I'm not sure what they do from Hoagland to Broadway. You know, if he goes six and two thirds, and Ole Miss has a two run lead, Broadway's getting the ball in the seventh, and he's going to go try and get the last seven outs of the game. If he goes five and a third, and you still got to get two outs in the sixth and get through the seventh and the eighth and the ninth, they're going to have somebody to have to bridge the gap. I'm not sure what exactly that would look like. Um, the other thing that's fascinating to me in terms of Ole Miss's pitching is what's Derek Diamond going to look like out of the bullpen? I mean, you know that's a guy that is going to pitch this weekend. You just don't know when. Um, you know, could they, could they go to Casey and then Diamond and then whoever uh, on, on Saturday? I, I don't know. This, you, normally, you would think that by week four of SEC play, you've got a really good feeling of how something's going to play out. And because of some of the changes over the last couple of weeks, with Elko's injury, with the change in the rotation, with the bullpen a little bit shaky, I'm not sure I know what to think about this weekend. Who's somebody we haven't talked about yet for Ole Miss that could play a role this weekend? Uh, I talked about Dunhurst at the plate. Let's go to Dunhurst defensively. He's got a cannon, and Mississippi State really likes to run. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the things. If, if you kind of contrast these numbers, you've got Mississippi State at the top of the league in terms of stolen bases and stolen base attempts, and Ole Miss is at the bottom of the league in both of those categories. I think they've only got like twenty-two steals or twenty-three steals and thirty-three or thirty-four attempts. They, they just don't run much. Um, I think Dunhurst is a guy that that has the ability to control the running game. Uh, and so that could be one of those X-factor things. You know, State gets a, a guy on base and you get two to, or, you know, one out in the inning and you try to get cue with a hit and run or, or something along those, those lines and you end up with a strike them out, throw them out, and that could be kind of a momentum swing. Um, that, 
And then the other thing I would say, the other person that we haven't talked about that is fascinating for probably multiple reasons is John Rice Plumley. You know, does he get a start in the outfield? Uh, is he used as a pinch runner? Does he come in as a defensive replacement late in the ball game? He's been better as a hitter, but he's not, you know, super polished as a hitter yet. Uh, he has certainly made progress. I do think that uh, probably both from an arm strength and a speed standpoint, he's the best defender that Ole Miss has got in the outfield. Uh, he just doesn't have nearly as many reps as, as some guys. Um, and then last thing, you asked for one, I'll give you three. So, so those are the first two. Number three, Mississippi State, if the opportunity presents itself, will test the arms of the Ole Miss outfielders and probably will succeed. It's the weakest collection of three arms from the day-in, day-out starters in the outfield that I can remember maybe ever. We'll save our predictions for, for Friday's Sports Talk Mississippi, but I'll ask this. If there's a sweep, who is it more likely that did the sweeping? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, based on having won 14 out of the last 16 in the uh, in the series, I would say it's more likely that Mississippi State sweeps than, than Ole Miss. But I don't really anticipate a sweep. Is that fair? Yeah, that's the same way I'm saying. Do uh does that play on Ole Miss in any? Do they ever talk about the fact that they haven't been able to beat Mississippi State recently, or is it just? You know, it's been two years since the teams have played each other. Does that play yeah. on anything at all? I, I don't think so. I, mean, I think there are a couple of things. One, you, you pointed out that they hadn't played in two years, and two fifteen not out there anymore. I mean, I think the Jake Mangum story was a thing. Um, he had so much success, and he was so confident. And, and yeah, I mean, Jake's got the quote out there. He's like, "I don't hate Ole Miss." He said they just kind of got the best out of me. Um, you know, such a good player, and, and, and to me, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, and, and I will certainly concede the point to you. I don't think for Jake Mangum it was so much about, oh, I'm going to be better than any other time against Ole Miss. I think with Jake Mangum it was, this is the biggest stage, and I am at my best when the stakes are the highest and the stage is the biggest. Yeah, I agree. Is that, that. Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. Okay. Very fair, so... Um, we'll but, no, I mean, with Mangum gone and not having played in a couple of years and they're both really good baseball teams, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, 2-14 and 14 in the last 16 obviously is not good, but I bet there are not a bunch of guys wearing red and blue jerseys that even know that they've lost 14 in the last 16 to stay. Probably right. So we'll see what happens. All right, obviously you got this interview here, and we've got a lot more on Sports Talk Mississippi uh, later today, 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And we'll take you all the way to the first pitch in Starville. Richard, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.